in this popularization of startups and technology that's happened over the last like 10 years, uh, uh, a lot of people are, are becoming entrepreneurs because it is the thing that, you know, it's, it's, it's um, trendy or, or uh, but then the thing about entrepreneurship is starting a company. It's sometimes I'm like, why the fuck did I start a company? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's so stressful. There's so much ups and downs, like the highs are very high, but the lows are very, very low. Um, oh. And Absolutely. Yeah, and it's and how do you kind of manage those low points in your life or in in the starting um, starting something? It's a good question. I mean, the way that I, I just to go back to your your yeah. point about like the highs are high and the lows are low. The way that I think about it is more of like a almost like a converging sine wave, mm. where it at the very beginning you have enormous volatility, mm. and then mm. as time goes on, it start the, the volatility gets kind of less and less, mm. um, and hopefully that line is is not only sort of you, you know whipsawing back and forth, but also going up right in the in the direction towards towards success or achievement or mm. however you define sort of the the end goal. Mm. Um, but uh, having that kind of mental model in my mind has been a huge help in terms of mm. just thinking like, okay, man, today really sucked, mm. but tomorrow is going to be better. And then there's always yesterday when you can look back and say, man, we had some big wins yesterday. Mm. And, um, and, you know, just because we had a loss today doesn't mean that, that, you know, that's kind of the end state. Hi, my name is Stuart Alsop, and this is my podcast, Crazy Wisdom. Uh, where I interview creative people about their meditation practices and how they integrate stress into their lives while trying to maintain a life of daily creation. Today I interviewed Anders Jones, uh, the CEO of Facet Wealth, a wealth management company in Baltimore. Um, I met uh, Anders at a meditation retreat several years ago um, and we connected about meditation and I recently reached out from out of the blue and uh, asked him if he wanted to come on the podcast, and he agreed. Uh, and he had actually dropped his meditation practice, but then found it again uh, once I came in touch with him. Uh, and we waited about a month before we started the the podcast. Um, and uh, it it was really great. It's a really great conversation. Um, uh, the thing I love about interviewing entrepreneurs uh, is that they have what is called craft wisdom, uh, wisdom that you can only find through dedicated years of practice in the craft. And uh, as usual, these people are don't have time to write um, uh, write about what they know, but their information is some of the most valuable. Uh, so I really appreciated getting Anders' uh, wisdom on on how he manages to stay in the right frame of mind while he creates something of value, of exponential value. Um, I, I really hope you enjoy this this episode, and if you do, please uh, find write us a great review on iTunes. It would mean a lot to me. Um, and you can find us at uh, Crazy Wisdom. Um, thanks. Have a great day. Hey, Anders. Uh, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have you here. Um, could you introduce yourself? Yeah, Stuart. Thank you for for inviting me on. Really great to to spend some time with you. My name is Anders Jones, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Facet Wealth, which is a financial technology company headquartered in Baltimore. And uh, Stuart, yeah, I guess we met. Uh, probably about six years ago through a meditation group. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been kind of an on again, off again meditator for the last few years and um, uh, excited to talk about it and, uh, and kind of how it, it interacts in my daily life. Mm. And uh, how did you kind of first get into meditation or what brought you to it? Yeah. So I spent um, a lot of time, a, a really good friend of mine um, is a guy named Patrick McKenna is a, uh, is a, um, a, a very a deep meditator. And um, 
he is uh he, he kind of initially got me into it we were doing a lot of work together and he's actually ended up becoming a co-founder in my company as well mm-hmm. um but prior to that we were doing a lot of work together and i think he noticed uh you know, different levels of, uh, of, of stress and, and frustration as, as time goes on, as time went on. And he said, hey, you know, this is something I think you should maybe check out. And um, he gave me a book, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, The Miracle of Mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And I read that, and this is probably in 2012. Mm-hmm. And um, it totally changed my, my outlook on, on life. And um, just the, the, I'll never forget the kind of, uh, the, the analogy that he uses in the book around um, uh, if you're washing the dishes, just wash the dishes. Mm. That's something that has stuck with me and, and been like a constant theme. Every time I get it, I feel flustered. I always go back to washing the dishes. Mm. Um, mind you, the dishes in my house probably don't get washed often enough, but um, <laughs> it's still a good mental model to come back to. Uh-huh. That's cool. And uh, so we and, we, and I asked you about, uh, 30 days ago, if you wanted to come on the show and then you said your, your meditation practice had died down a little bit. And then you said, Oh, this is great. I'll use this as motivation to get my meditation practice back up. Um, yeah, this is a, very yeah. yeah it's, it, it's, this is a great story. And, uh, I, you know, first of all, thank you for, for reaching out to me, um, you know, a little bit out of the blue, but then, uh, when I was like, Oh, I should, you know, just tell them that my, my meditation has, has fallen off. And then I think you suggested, well, why not get back into it and, and, uh, and see what the, the effects are. And it's been really great. So that was about 30 days ago. Um, I've, I've kept track of it for you. I've, I've wow. sat uh, 14 times wow. in the last uh, 30 or I think it's about 32 days. Cool. And, um, and so, uh, you know, almost every other day. And that's been, um, it's been great. It's, it's, you know, a little bit like kind of going back to uh, going back to the gym after, mm-hmm. after taking some time off, you know, so it's, it's a little hard at first, but then you kind of fall into um, some 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 routine patterns and start noticing things I think much quicker than than I did the first time around. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been that's been really great. I've um, been using the the Headspace app uh, mm-hmm. quite a bit and um, and I found that to be really useful and just you know having a little bit of guided meditation there to kind of get back into the swing of things. But it's been great and have have really noticed a lot of stuff not just kind of when I'm sitting but also sort of in in my day to day life and especially in my job as a, a manager and, um, and, you know, leader in a, a fast growing company, it's been an interesting, uh, interesting to kind of overlay the mindfulness aspect on top of that. And what does, what does that do specifically to your ability to manage other people? How does it help? Oh man. Well, I don't know how much time we have. I can, <laughs> I've got a lot of, a lot of good stories here, but I think, mm-hmm. you know, there were, um, they're kind of two key things. So one is, and, and this is probably something that is going to sound fairly generic, but um, you know, just having more empathy as a, as a manager mm-hmm. has, has paid dividends uh, enormously in terms of my relationships with people, but also in terms of um, getting more out of them as, as team members. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I found that being able to kind of pause and, you know, look at, at, or, or consider how someone else might be, uh, perceiving how a conversation is going, or how a project is going, or um, you know how how an ask of them is is going to change uh, their day or, or their work pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, having that additional perspective and and taking a moment to kind of reflect on what's going on on the other side of the table, mm-hmm. um, I think that that's that's made me a better manager, and I think that it's paid off um, in that people 
are responding really well to it and, and you know, hopefully are, are having a better experience working with me too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, the other big thing is, and, and mind you, let me preface this by saying that this is sort of a new thing for me. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is my first time as CEO of a company and I'm kind of learning on the fly. We're growing really, really fast. I mean, we started uh, a little over two years ago with a team of five mm-hmm. and we're now up to 25. Mm-hmm. And so it's gone from, you know, a, a kind of group of, of partners who are co-founders to that, the first layer of like, okay, now we've got some people in who are, you know, experts in their respective fields. And, um, you know, there's a very light management layer. And, you know, now it's the, it's the point where we have, um, you know, three or four layers deep of, of folks. And so it's like, mm-hmm. not only do I have to be a good manager, but I also have to help people become better managers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which when you don't really know what you're doing to start with is, uh, is daunting to not only have to practice, but also to teach it. And so um, it's, it's helped me think, um, you know, th- think through kind of situations where I can mentor people to mentor other people and, and adopted, I, I found that I've adopted a much more kind of Socratic approach to, to mm. mentoring folks. Mm. Um, and I found that the more that I ask and, uh, observe relative versus what I kind of, um, or, you know, yeah, exactly. Or think is right. And, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, dictate, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think the better those, those sessions have gone and, and, you know, the better the team is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, we're, like I said, we're 32 days into this, so it's, it's hard to notice like huge change, but, um, I certainly feel better about it. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I haven't really taken a poll of the rest of the team, but uh, <laughs> hopefully they do too. Do any of them meditate or do you talk about meditation in the office at all? Or is it kind of something more don't really talk about? Uh, you know, we haven't really talked about it. It's funny. We actually just moved offices last week and mm-hmm. our first, uh, the, the place we moved from was kind of big open space. Actually, it was, it was a small open space. We had about 19 people in, uh, in a thousand square feet, which mm-hmm. um, pretty crammed in there. Uh-huh. Um, but we're now in a much bigger space and we actually have kind of closed off rooms and um, we've actually designated one room as the, uh, the, the kind of stretching meditation and, uh, and nap room. Cool. Um, and so, uh, I don't know if, if anyone of them is taking advantage of that, but we have a couple of big, big bean bags in there. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm, I, I'm certainly not shy about going in there in the middle of the day and taking 15 minutes just to kind of focus on my breathing and do a quick body scan to see, um, you know, see, see how I'm feeling. Uh-huh. What is the, what is the hardest thing for you about meditation in general? I think probably just doing it, yep. uh, you know, getting into, getting into routine and, um, and, uh, just deciding that it's like, Hey, it, it's, it's time to meditate. Like it's one of those things It's very similar to going to the gym where it's like, I, I know I should do it and I'm, and it's on my list of things to do, but then I can find a lot of excuses to not do it. Mm-hmm. And then if I do, once I do it, I'm glad that I did, mm-hmm. but there's that initial inertia to mm-hmm. kind of, you know, get, get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, one of the hacks that I kind of had for that is, um, I started setting my alarm 30 minutes early. Mm-hmm. And so you know, I usually wake up around six and so I started getting up at five 30 mm-hmm. and basically saying like, look, if I'm going to be awake now, I might as well make it productive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, um, you know, I'm going to sit then mm-hmm. and that's, that's worked out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a little, little more tired during the day, but, uh, but that's been okay. And it's funny, actually, in the, the, um, in the, the last office where we were, where we had, uh, a, you know, basically an enormous number of people in a small area with no privacy, I found that I would go out to my car uh, once or twice a day and kind of sit in the back seat and, uh, and, and just sit there for a few minutes. And that was, that was good as well. 
Mm. So do you think this is kind of might, might be out of the blue, but do you think as an entrepreneur, it was something you chose to do or was something inside of you that kind of like you couldn't choose not to do? To be an entrepreneur? Yeah. And to start a company and, and. That's a, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I, I think that, you know, to a certain extent, this, I mean, this, this gets into a deeply philosophical question about, uh, you know, to what extent is it, it, are things sort of fatalistic versus you know, how much free will do you have? Um, I, I think I kind of, I, I, in retrospect, like looking back at my path and kind of how I ended up here, I think that a lot of things that happened wouldn't have happened if I wasn't meant to be doing this. Um, and so I think the specific choices around um, being a, you know, being, being in the space that we're in, in financial technology, those were more choices. Mm. Um, but I think the sort of personality type and, and overall, um, you know, choice of this is the right thing for me to be doing. I think that's a bit more innate. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one kind of piece of anecdotal evidence is uh, I, I did a, personality tests, a, a pretty intense kind of like, you know, pick your career or, or you know, to answer a hundred questions. And, you know, these are the, the careers that, that are best suited for you. And entrepreneur came out as number one. Nice. So, um, you know, I don't know if that, if that was, uh, um, you know, a result of me being an entrepreneur or if, or if it's, uh, it, it shows that that's just kind of how I'm wired, but, yeah. um, that feels, feels right. Yeah. And that's the, the that's an interesting thing. Cause it's, it's, in this popularization of startups and technology that's happened over the last like 10 years, uh, uh, a lot of people are, are becoming entrepreneurs because it is the thing that, you know, it's, it's, it's um, trendy or, or uh, but then the thing about entrepreneurship is starting a company. It's sometimes I'm like, why the fuck did I start a company? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's so stressful. There's so much ups and downs, like the highs are very high, but the lows are very, very low. Um, oh. And Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, and how do you kind of manage those low points in your life or in, in the starting, um, starting something? It's a good question. I mean, the way that I, I just to go back to your, your yeah. point about like the highs are high and the lows are low. The way that I think about it is more of like a, almost like a converging sine wave mm. where it, at the very beginning you have enormous volatility. Mm. And then mm. as time goes on, it start the, the volatility gets kind of less and less. Mm. Um, and hopefully that line is, is not only sort of, you, you know, whipsawing back and forth, but also going up right in the, in the direction towards, towards success or achievement or mm. however you define sort of the, the end goal. Mm. Um, but uh, having that kind of mental model in my mind has been a huge help in terms of mm. just thinking like, okay, man, today really sucked, mm. but tomorrow is going to be better. And then there's always yesterday when you can look back and say, man, we had some big wins yesterday. Mm. And, um, and, you know, just cause we had a loss today doesn't mean that, that, you know, that's kind of the end state. Mm. Um, I think the other thing too, in, uh, I guess this is more sort of feeding off of the external energy mm -hmm. is once you get a critical mass of talented people who mm. are, who buy into the idea and who are working on it and, and spending their, their lives, um, you know, basically helping you with, with your vision or, or your original vision, which now turns into our collective vision. Mm. Um, at some point that group doesn't fail, right? At some point you get enough smart people together. And it's inertia. That, 
Yeah, exactly. And, and it's like, if, if you have that many smart people who all think this is a good idea and that all think it's going to be successful, the odds of failure go down almost just statistically because it's like you don't have that many smart people fail at things very often. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. so, you know, so I get a lot of energy off of the team that we have mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and sort of this collective sense of mission and purpose. Uh -huh. um, but, you know, there are definitely days where it's like, oh, man, this is, it, you know, it's funny. I've never had... I've never had the thought of why the fuck did I start this company? Uh -huh. um, I, I think, you know, one of the things that we always say is like, this is something that is worth, it's a, it's a problem that's, that's worth failing at. Uh -huh. And so that, when you have that feeling, it kind of, it, it negates any of the, the sort of um, question around why it is that you're doing this. But there are days where it's like, man, I really, mm -hmm. I don't know if this is going to work quite the way that I thought it was. Mm -hmm. And that's that uncertainty kind of like, you're in this place and you don't know what the future holds. Um, Absolutely. And that's is similar to a meditation practice because a meditation practice, when you're, when you sit down, you're basically bringing what's unconscious to the conscious uh, awareness. Um, and so you're, you're directly engaging with the unconscious. And I think that's why a lot of people find it hard too, because a lot of people don't want to engage with that unconscious because it's so vast. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's funny. One of the things that I think about in my mind, and this is not a fully baked idea, so, so bear with me, but I think a lot about entrepreneurship as truth seeking, where much of entrepreneurship is finding a better way to do things. And that better way to do things has always existed. Uh, but it's just, it takes a unique combination of, of people and idea and, and passion and drive to uh to kind of unlock that new way of of mm -hmm. doing things mm -hmm. um and i think to kind of bring that back to meditation so much of that is truth seeking also um which is moving away from sort of your perception of things to trying to understand how things really are mm -hmm. um and so I, I i do think that there are a lot of really interesting parallels there mm -hmm. that's really cool so i'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent again how has it been uh moving because you were starting a company in San Francisco and you were um, pretty immersed in this, in this culture here. Mm -hmm. uh, and then how has it been making the shift to Baltimore and then starting a company with a lot of people who might not necessarily be familiar with the way uh, new companies start? Yeah, it's, a, it's been a journey for sure. Um, so yeah, for a little bit of context, we, we incubated the idea for Facet in, uh, in San Francisco uh -huh. Um, probably spent about a year when both Patrick and I were living out there, um, really understanding what the market opportunity was and, mm -hmm. uh, what the right kind of value that we could bring to the table was. And then when it got to the point where I said, okay, we've got kind of a fully baked idea and we know how to execute on it. Now we need to put the, the team together. Um, mm -hmm. come, we, we said, well, let's take a non-obvious approach and actually start this company outside of Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it sort of, it might've been a little bit ahead or, or just sort of in the beginning of the trend of folks looking outside of the Valley and into mm -hmm. other places around the country where there's a lot of technical talent and a lot of innovation, but just not a lot of exposure to the level of, of um, entrepreneurialism that goes on in, in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And we looked at probably 25 different cities and um, ended up in Baltimore as mm -hmm. uh, for what we was, what we, what we're doing sort of the, the perfect mix of, financial services and tech, technical talent. Mm. And so um, that, so I moved here two years ago and um, 
you know, definitely a different experience than San Francisco on, on a lot of different levels. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been, it's been really great. I mean, um, everything in our thesis around finding the right people and, and sort of enthusiasm for a tech startup uh, it has, has absolutely proven to be true. Um, and then getting people from more established companies and introducing them to entrepreneurship is that's been a really interesting um, and fun thing too. I think, you know, you get someone who's working for a 15,000 person company to quit and come work for a 15 person company. And I think it's an enormous culture shock, um, but it's also a lot of fun. Uh, we have a lot more fun. I mean, all, all the stereotypes are true, right? We work a lot harder. You know, we drink beer in the office. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have a ping pong table, but uh, maybe one day. But, um, you know, we, we can move fast and get things done quickly and, and iterate quickly. And um, there's none of the bureaucracy that is present in the in the sort of older companies and larger companies that are around here. And so it's, it's been really fulfilling to watch people kind of blossom into this new environment that is um, fairly rare in, in this in this city. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that's been cool. And also kind of going back to mindfulness and, and meditation, um, it's taught me a new level of patience in terms of, uh, helping people understand that this environment is a completely different paradigm than what they're used to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that, you know, my expectations around, um, mm-hmm. moving quickly might be way off relative to what moving quickly meant, you know, mm-hmm. at, at someone's old company. And what is the best way to kind of move through that friction between two different mindsets of how things should be done? I think show them success and uh, quick wins, mm-hmm. um, which I say show them, but, but it's more like, you know, uh, show them how they're act- they can do it very easily themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I, I kind of view myself as the enabler in chief. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, helping people kind of notch up quick wins and move the needle on something in two days um, and that shows immediate results uh, is absolutely possible in the environment that we're in. And um, I think it's incredibly rewarding. And once that happens a couple of times, people get it and they're like, oh, okay, I see how this works. And then they embrace it. And it's like, you know, I, I do feel I, I kind of jokingly say, you know, I'm sorry that I'm that I'm that we're ruining you for, um, you know, for any future job that's not at a startup. Because yeah. I think once you kind of taste it, it's really hard to go back. Yeah. And it's that bureaucracy. And that's the, that's the interesting thing I think you said about um, about how you have to change your mindset as the company grows. And there's a certain kind of like. Uh, in the beginning, there's a lot of volatility, but then as you get to more of a stasis, uh, things start to even out. How do you, how did that for you, how, how did that play out? Like when you're, you know, you, you and Patrick first started the company and then it grew a little bit. Um, how did you deal with that volatility? Um, I mean, I, I think, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the same ways that, that we've kind of been discussing, which is, yeah. Uh, really anchoring around sort of the end idea and understanding that startups are hard and they, you know, anything that, that is, that is worth doing is going to be difficult. Um, There's that great quote, which I've seen attributed to like five different people. So I'm not, I'm not going to say that I know who said it originally, but it's the, something along the lines of like, you know, one must consent to lose sight of shore for a long time in order to discover new lands. Um, and, uh, and I think really internalizing that and, and knowing that it's, it's going to be a journey. Um, you know, the average time for a company from, I think, seed funding to exit is seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so like, you know, it's not, there's no such thing as overnight success. 
and you know that everything that that you said earlier that sort of um you know fad of entrepreneurialism that's that's uh out there i think a lot of folks who go down that path um without the benefit of having uh seen a couple cycles i think get a sort of a rude awakening that there there is no such thing as overnight success mm-hmm. um and the ones that do succeed wildly very quickly tend to have some structural flaws mm-hmm. um, in them. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a few companies come to mind, but neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, and so, mm-hmm. you know, just really focusing on, on at the end of the day, I think doing meaningful work and feeling like, you know, even if this thing isn't a wild success, like I don't regret a day or a minute of my life that I've devoted to it because, um, you know, we're, we're helping people, we're, creating meaningful employment. Um, we're surrounded by awesome team members. And, um, you know, these are all things that you, that wake up and motivate you every day, even on the hard days. Mm. That's really cool. And, um, so what is there, is there one book you're reading or one kind of article or something you, one idea or concept that you've most recently heard that's most helped your meditation practice or, uh, or just philosophy of life? Ooh, that's a good one. So I'm actually in the middle of reading a book right now, and I'm going to look it up while we're talking because um, I uh, actually forget what it's called, but it's um, written by Niall Ferguson. It's called mm. The Square and the Tower. Mm. And it's a discussion around um, networks versus hierarchies. Mm. And it's an idea, this idea that, um, that uh, mm. uh, you know, to the extent that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this, but basically to the extent that uh, networks interact with each other, they end up being far more powerful than um, than kind of top down hierarchies, mm-hmm. and um, and you know he he does a, a lot of discussion around um, you know sort of networks in the past versus hierarchies in the past, and um, and obviously today you know given a lot of current events and how folks have used social media and sort of um, more explicit networks to disseminate information, you know, one way or another, um, there, there's obviously kind of an increasing importance in terms of uh, the, the, the power of, of the network. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's some great, I, I'd encourage anyone listening to read it. It's a, it's a really fascinating book. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, uh, it's a bit dense, but, um, mm-hmm. but there's some, some great stuff in there. I think, you know, as it relates to uh, mindfulness, um, you know, it's really this idea that we are all interconnected mm-hmm. and, uh, and that anything that I do um, or, or say or feel has ramifications beyond just me and, and sort of my, my sense of self. And so, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, again, it, 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 it's, it, it, I think you need to read it yourself to really, uh, to really, really uh, uh, you know, grasp all the different concepts in there, but it's, it's a great book. That makes sense in terms of a network because, you know, we spend our lives in networks and it's like we're not really aware that we're spending our times in networks and that each individual interaction is a connection with a network, whether it's a loose network or, or a close network. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. And um, when you sit down on the mat, and this is pretty personal, so you don't, don't feel free, don't have to ask it, what are the thoughts that keep on coming up? that's a good one um you know uh (laughs) it's probably like the the probably most common recurring thought is is god damn it andrew stop thinking about other things (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um 
Yeah. I mean, it really, oh. it really depends on the, it, it really depends on the day. I had a, um, uh, you know, actually r- right around the time when you, when you emailed me, I had kind of a, a weird, uh, personal situation more kind of in the romantic sense. And, um, it's just, I, I, you, if you've experienced this, it's, I'm sure everyone has, right? It's like that feeling where it's like something doesn't feel quite right and you're kind of walking around with that sense of unease all day and it's like kind of in your stomach but you don't really know and, you just, and, it's, and it's kind of hanging in the background. Um, and, you know, one of, the, one of the like second or third times that I sat, um, uh, really, that was when sort of all the, the, the old, familiar feelings and tools kind of came back and um you know got much more comfortable with the, with the body scan and mm. it had probably been the the third you know it probably been two years since i've done a, a a kind of full body scan um and uh and i was like man i really feel this in the bottom of my stomach mm. right now and it's like and, and i kind of put a name to it and mm. and you know like like acknowledged what this um you know what that feeling was mm. and uh and that, you know, obviously it doesn't cure anything, right? But it, at least it makes you more comfortable with it. And then the next day, walking around, I noticed it. And I was like, oh, yep, you know what? I've already kind of looked at that. And I have a good sense as to what that is. And, um, you know, we can move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not, it's not like a, the feeling doesn't demand your full attention. And it doesn't require you to do anything about it. It's just the feeling. Exactly. It doesn't go away, right? Yeah. But it also, mm-hmm. it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't, acknowledging it yeah. helps. Um, it, it loses it loses potency when you acknowledge it yeah for me the that voice in my head is like a it's like a something needs to be done right now uh, yeah it's like a then i'm realizing okay but then i i go through my list and i'm like okay none of that needs to be done right now i don't need to feel like that uh, mm-hmm. yeah for me that's that's what that's how it goes about yeah it's funny yeah I, there's another thing that you know i, I usually when, when i'm when i'm doing the the guided meditation on my phone mm-hmm. um you know i always put my my phone in airplane mode and um you know usually like the first uh you know if i'm, I'm doing like 10 15 minutes at a time mm-hmm. not a big deal but then mm-hmm. i think my you know probably a week into it or so i did on a weekend i did like a longer like 45 minute sit mm-hmm. and um i just mm-hmm. remember like having this intense anxiety in the middle of it around like, Oh my God, my, like, what if, what if someone's trying to text me or, or email me right now? Mm-hmm. And it's like a Sunday afternoon, right? And it's <laughs> even in startup worlds, you know, sometimes it's, it's sacred and Sunday yeah. afternoon is usually pretty quiet. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, and, and like acknowledging that and be like, okay, wait a second. Like, let's, you know, let's just have like a, 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 a level set on this that mm-hmm. it's, you know, you can be offline for 45 minutes and then, um, you know, it's, it, it's funny how, how just having those kind of reminders around relative levels of importance of basically anything, um, is, is really useful and, and grounding. Mm. Interesting. Uh, do you have any specific practices for grounding or have you brought that into your meditation practice or does any of the headspace, um, meditations talk about grounding? Uh, no, you know what? I, I don't, um, if, if you have suggestions, I maybe, um, maybe we should talk, uh, yeah. we, we should do a session. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I got some good ones. Um, that's cool. And so we got about five minutes left. What, uh, so how can people, are you guys hiring or like, what are your goals for the next year? Um, I don't know. Do you want any, do you want our listeners to know anything about facet? Well, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm happy to give, uh, you know, to give the, uh, the quick elevator pitch. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so we're, we're building uh, what we believe is the next generation financial services company to really help uh, folks who are in what we call the mass affluent Mm -hmm. um, sort of, you know, everyday uh, Americans who have a few hundred thousand dollars saved up and really need help with planning and advice in a very uh, non-conflicted and transparent way. Mm -hmm. um, we give all of our clients a dedicated relationship with a really highly qualified advisor uh, who works for us and um, is not compensated on anything other than just giving great client experience. Mm -hmm. um, we charge uh, a flat fee. So um, ranges it, it's really tied to the service that we're providing not to to the level of assets that you have mm -hmm. um, you know ranges anywhere from five hundred to five thousand dollars a year and um, and you know we really believe that that the future of financial services is this you know transparent and uh, and and uh, very holistic uh, financial life management and uh, at, at an affordable cost and so we're building technology to make uh, the, to to bring the cost down, make our advisors a lot more efficient, mm -hmm. and to increase the overall quality to the end client. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean we're hiring uh, engineers left and right. We're hiring financial advisors, um, hire, bringing on new clients uh, uh, every day. Mm -hmm. So um, you know if any of your listeners are interested in any, any of those things, uh, would would love to talk to them. Um, mm -hmm. Facetwealth.com and uh, and my email is just Anders at Facetwealth.com and. Um, when I'm not meditating with my phone off, I typically answer my emails. So, and uh, so now you got me curious because I'm I'm really interested in finance and crypto. Uh, what what do you view? What are your views on crypto in general? Is it something that you're thinking about, or is it something you kind of want to stay away from? <laughs> so for our clients and for what we're building, it's uh -huh. it's probably completely the opposite direction. Yeah. Um, you know, we're we're really focused on on helping people make smart long term. Uh, financial decisions that are tied to to goals, yep. um, you know. So, so I'll, I'll kind of answer it with that disclaimer up front. Yeah. Um, but I do think that you know, there's a lot of the, the underlying technology uh, uh, in crypto of blockchain is really interesting. The idea of sort of decentralized uh, computing power is is really fascinating, and um, I do understand uh, you know, why people get excited about that. And there's some really smart people who who have looked into not just the kind of uh, currency, cryptocurrency aspects, but, but sort of the underlying technologies and ramifications. And I think that that's a really exciting um, thing for, for the future. You know, trading essentially the volatility of that, which is basically what a lot of these cryptocurrencies are, uh, I think is a, a little trickier. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not sure how, how, to kind of price that and, and how to say like, yeah, you know, Bitcoin is a, is a good buy or a good sell on any given day. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that, you know, I tend to stay away from, but it's really fun to kind of watch it evolve and, and see, um, you know, how, how it's, uh, how, how it's, um, you know, impacting uh, more meaningful parts of, of, um, of, of the web. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Andrews, for coming on the show and, and opening up for us. Yeah. Sir, thank you for reaching out and uh, thank you for, for kind of jump starting my meditation practice again. Cool. It's my pleasure. All right. Great talking to you.